0: You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Brent Yeagy, President and CEO of Wabash National. Despite the effects of COVID-19, some companies managed to not only weather the storm, but thrive in spite of it. Wabash National managed that very feat by recognizing the changing dynamics of the transportation marketplace and adjusting to meet disruptions head on. Brent Yeagy, President and CEO of Wabash, explains how proper prior preparation while prioritizing employee and workplace safety helped ensure continued service for their customers. Joining me today is President and Chief Executive Officer of Wabash, Brent Yegi Brent, thank you so much for joining the Inbound Logistics Podcast today.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here.
0: It's great to have you. We want to welcome you to the show. And if you could, could you give an introduction to you and your background in industry and a little bit about what you're doing with Wabash today?
1: Yeah, I've been with Wabash for 17 years. I'll talk more about that in a second. And prior to that, I was with uh, Nord Corporation in the uh, Power Transmission Group with Bilko Remy, uh, Heavy Duty and Light Duty Automotive, and then moved to Wabash in 2003, had a series of positions from manufacturing support up through various levels of manufacturing, uh, at one point leading all of manufacturing for the company, and then transitioned into business leadership in 2010, uh, led our largest group through 2016, uh, then became chief operating officer and then CEO in June of 2018.
0: Excellent, and we are in touch with you today because Wabash recently released a press release that uh, highlighted uh, your consistency and your strength in rather turbulent market uh, right now. Uh, It's a little bit surreal, Um, but personally, how are you holding up in the current situation?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's a challenging time. Uh, it is as dynamic as anything that that I've experienced in, in my career. But I, I think there, there's definitely been a light at the end of the tunnel really since the uh, first of June. And as I work back, the March or uh, late March, early April timeframe was as stressful and as challenging as any environment I have been in. And and it was a point where there was, you know, we'll call it uh, doubt and where the world was going to go right at that point in time, um, and, and the anxiety that it creates was was palpable within my leadership group, but I'm happy at this point that we seem to have emerged from that, and that crisis feeling has passed us, and we're definitely in that mode of managing the company looking forward, which just tremendously improves call it our mental health, physical well-being at this point.
0: Okay, great. Uh, before we get into that press release a little bit more, can you tell me about Wabash? What, what's your position in the market? What type of equipment do you produce? Maybe a little bit about uh, who your customers are and how your products fit into that customer supply chain.
1: Sure. So we're, we're the market-leading producer for transportation, logistics, and distribution equipment in, in North America and we primarily provide uh, equipment for refrigerated material transport, both long van uh, and truck body. We also do do have a full, what we call cold chain series of products uh, that span uh, from uh, again, long haul all the way to home delivery. Full complement of tanker or liquid bulk and dry bulk transport equipment, platform, heavy haul platform, And then we have a series of ancillary businesses in some diversified markets uh, in food, beverage, and and pharmaceutical, all leveraging our ability to provide engineered solutions. And so we position ourselves in the market as a highly engineered solution provider, premium product, and the customers that we sell to are some of the largest names uh, in the country. On the carrier side, uh, we tend to sell to Warner, JB Hunt, Amazon, those types of carriers, Walmart. And then we move through, we also sell to the largest, uh, some of the largest chemical producers and pharmaceutical producers uh, in the country 3M, Pfizer, Quality Distributors, and then further along, Ryder, Penske. Uh, and again, Amazon and our final mile. So we we are a blue chip company selling to blue chip customers across the country.
0: Okay. And uh, referencing that release again, uh, Wabash recently did show that it had uh, strength uh, in the market despite COVID-19. What kind of things did you put into motion to prepare for the pandemic if if that was indeed what you were doing?
1: Yeah. So I don't think anyone can say they 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 prepared for the literal pandemic. Well, when we say we prepared, uh, what we prepared for was market disruption. Um, Wabash had been you know, significantly impacted in the 2008-2009 recession, and our strategy altered going into 2010 to improve the overall resiliency of the company. You know, balance sheet, operating model, commercial capability, uh, leadership then strength, uh, and, and what we've been doing over the last couple of years has really been addressing structurally how we're organized as a company, how we make decisions and altering the, the strategy of the company uh, to prepare for what was inevitably a turn in our core markets um, from peak market demand to significant softening of demand, which we saw in 2020 and 2021, regardless of the, the onset of the pandemic in March of, of 2020. So when that occurred, it didn't change our posture, which was already prepared for disruption. It just put added ambiguity, maybe some added severity uh, to that disruption. So it just meant that what we had done prepared us. and And then we took some, what I'd call some pivots in our action, which we can talk about in a minute, to fine tune how we are doing things specifically for the pandemic.
0: Right. Now, once you realize that the disruption was more than just a a regular disruption, and it was indeed a pandemic, uh, I'm sure one of the concerns was uh, the safety uh, of your employees. So uh, did you put into place any protocols to uh, ensure the safety of your staff and your employees in general?
1: Yeah. So a, a little bit more, I'll get into that, a little bit more background for us. And it kind of goes to the previous question as well. Prior to getting into what I would call manufacturing in the 2005 timeframe, I actually have a a significant educational and work history background in occupational safety and occupational health. That's where my my education is and where I really entered into the industrial work because I led safety and and environmental programs for, for some very large companies. Uh, so when the pandemic hit, uh, as a CEO and as a leader, I was, wasn't necessarily caught with the proverbial deer in a headlight uh, at that time. I knew what the protocols needed to be. I knew what they looked like. And so we were able to move very fast uh, to implement physical distancing protocols physically on our shop floor in a very purposeful way. Uh, we quickly implemented work from home, expanded guidelines. We're now of our salary workforce was at home by the middle of the second or middle of the last week of March. Uh, We completely changed travel protocols uh, by the end of March uh, to completely reduce that exposure, change visitor guidelines, um, change the way that we we offer something as simple as food to our employees had to drastically change. So we were able to sit down and very quickly. Put those things in place where some companies by were still grasping on what they should do. In the second week of April, we were done. We were implemented, and and that was very critical because we were also considered an essential business. So we had to operate during this period while putting in these protocols. We were able to get them done very fast, maintain continuity of operations, which not only gives us labor stability and workforce stability, but I kept our customers running through this period as well.
0: Yeah. Now, as we've gone deeper into this uh, situation, uh, where's Wabash situated right now?
1: Yeah. So, w- by the nature of the protocols that we've put in place, uh, we have had you know, we're, we have a national footprint and, and arguably somewhat of a global footprint. Uh, we have uh, over fifty different service and manufacturing operations in the U.S. Fifty different physical locations, from New Jersey to California, Texas, Indiana. We have operations in Great Britain as well as in Mexico. And right now, we have had very limited COVID-positive cases, you know, less than 15, across 7,000 people working at 50 different locations wow. in some of the hot spots within the country. So it's a great testament of the effectivity of our controls in what we're doing and then how we've added additional controls uh, through that time. Now, that's on the COVID side of it. We've got a whole business continuity action that we've had to do in terms of managing supplier risk, which we've been able to mitigate uh, almost all supplier-related impact, uh, not easily, but we've been able to do it. We've dramatically cut our spending uh, in relation to just the level of demand reduction that we've seen, both due to just the market decline that we anticipated and then exacerbated by the effect of the economic fallout of, of the pandemic, in April and May and what that does for the remainder of the year. So we've been right-sizing the business while assuring safety concurrently. Right now, we're in a good spot in terms of the stability of all those controls, the engagement of our workforce. Our spending has come in line, and we talked about it on our last earnings call, where we've committed to the market, and we forecast that while our revenue may be down as much as uh, 40 to 50 percent as a result of all of this, we believe we can still be cash flow positive, which is a monumental feat for Wallbash National uh, in general, let alone in the midst of a, of a pandemic.
0: Yeah. Now, considering that cash flow, uh, would your your sales and your on-hand orders, could they be considered leading economic indicators uh, in terms of purchasing and transport activity currently?
1: Yeah, I, I think they can be. Now, we... I think it's kind of mired in the fact that we were already anticipating some um, market pullback, and relatively significant market pullback in 2020. Our uh, third-party forecaster had expected the uh, trailer market to reduce, you know, somewhere in the tune of 35 percent, give or take. Uh, we're going to see that pullback at least as forecasted by 50 percent. Big part of that because of the pandemic. However, We can look at tender rates, tender rejection rates, total tonnage, all those various metrics that are going to be leading indicators of the rebound of the economy. All those things are very pertinent. They're also very important to our customers as they try to manage rates, availability, and and asset utilization into the second half of the year. And if we see, if they believe, uh, based on those fundamentals, and, and the projections going into 2021 uh, it can absolutely be a, a a real sign of economic activity by the behavior that these customers of ours will exhibit and they're buying uh, it all ties together uh, when we look at uh, try to look at the inside of what's happening literally rubber meets the road mm-hmm. with the economy
0: yeah now Speaking of forecasting, then, do you have any particular insights into that that near term outlook in twenty twenty one for both the transportation market and the economy in general?
1: Yeah, it's I know if if I could tell you <laughs> with any certainty what what twenty twenty one would be, I'd be doing something else right now. <laughs> okay, uh, that's for sure. But what what I I can give you a more of a near term perspective is that we can absolutely measure um, through various outlets that the turning on of the economy is having an economic effect as measured by spot rate, contract rate, again, those basic fundamentals of demand, uh, we can see that response as as states open up and small businesses and large businesses get moving again. Uh, And we can see it on freight moving on the road. We we get it through our customers, through um, qualitative conversations where they're giving us their feeling about what's getting ready to happen. And some of the constraints that we've seen in the supply chain, uh, with the need to move freight, with availability of uh, of actual manned equipment, are starting to come through, and we're seeing that. And maybe some some rate activity we may see in the summer. Um, that's all good things, right? They indicate the economy is going to pick back up, and 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 could relatively getting back to pre-COVID levels. Is a is a large amount of increase, but sometimes it's not the absolute level of increase. It's the rate of change of increase that can really affect these logistic mar- logistics markets because they're adjusting capacity in real time. I think we we it feels like there's going to be a level of carrier and freight movement capability in the summer months based on the rate of change of improvement. But we're probably still looking at second quarter, our best guess, assuming nothing reverts back in terms of resh- of having the shutdown due to recurrent hotspots. We don't see a resurgence on a national level. If those things don't occur, then I think it's a, it's a Q2, early Q3, 2021, before we can see getting back to pre-COVID economic activity levels at the earliest.
0: In general, though, you think the outlook is positive?
1: Well, I think I think everything that we see only points to positive right now based on the fundamentals we see on the ground. What we, It's what we don't know that allow, makes us at least have to pull back a little bit on the hope we have for the economy because we just don't know what's going to happen uh, in terms of the uh, virus characteristics when we get into the fall and early winter.
0: Well, uh, congratulations to Wabash then on, uh, on maintaining their, their strength in the market. Where can our audience go then to find out more information about uh, Wabash and, and how you've kept things going?
1: Well, you can obviously go to wabashnational.com and check out our investor section. Uh, you can, it's, it's an easy point and click to get there. There you can see some of our material that we've given to the street. Uh, and our statements to our customers, our suppliers, uh, and the investment community, and that'd be a good place to more, um, learn more about us.
0: Excellent. Brent Yeagy, thank you so much for your time today. And stay safe, and uh, best of luck to Wabash National.
1: All right. Thank you, Jeff.
0: Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash getil. That's bit dot l y slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3pl game the inbound logistics podcast is a production of inbound logistics magazine for the most in-depth information around logistics transportation and supply chain practices Get your free print and digital subscription at InboundLogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at InboundLogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics podcast.